All right, listeners, this is Anthony Verna back with you for another episode of the Law and Business Podcast. Uh, we are with today Tina Vignali. How'd I do? Pretty good. All right. That, that silent G in Italian always throws me. Uh, well, you're Italian. You should. I know, but that silent G always gets me. That's okay. You know, even when I was taking Italian lessons, that silent G just, just gets me. I won't hold it against well, you. Well, thank you, my friend. Thank you. Uh, Tina is uh, the main blogger at the Travelitoscope blog. All right. My uh, tongue is not caught uh, <laughs> yet. Uh, so, Tina, talk to me a little bit. Let's, let's start here. What, um, what specific niche in travel do you, do you blog about? So, Anthony, thanks for having me. You're um, welcome. I typically blog about active travel, so um, that folds in with my personal interest. I'm an avid skier. Uh, I like to scuba dive. I like to hike. Uh, anything active. But I also keep in mind that um, that there's a broader audience, and so I also like to blog about good food, great restaurants, and there's even a travel-related recipe in there from time to time. Ooh. Um, so, so what does active travel specifically mean? It can mean a lot of different things. Um, as I mentioned, my personal interests are in um, very sporty activities, skiing, scuba diving, hiking, kayaking, anything like that. But it doesn't have to specifically address those, um, those topics. It can just mean um, not passive. So okay. not, not, not in... Um, a tour group, perhaps, but that's not—that's not to say that I exclude going on a tour. I've done tours sure. myself, and they're—they're uh, they're frequently very active. So it can mean a lot of different things. Yeah, every tour I've been on is let's wake up at six a.m. to catch the bus. And I I'm know, like, but I—I'm not working. I don't want to wake up at six. You need a vacation from your vacation. <laughs> yes, I, I think I've made that joke a few times in my after tours. Um, so so let's talk. Let's let's move to, to the business side of this, since this is the law and business podcast. Uh, how do you make money as a blogger? That's always the first question um, around the blogging industry. Sure. I, I think it depends on what your personal hmm. goals are. Oh, and, and absolutely that's correct, because everybody's blog is different. As we know, this this podcast is a, is a supplement to my to my law practice, same with my blog. I mean, all of that is is in a way advertising. Correct. <laughs> so, but for some people, blogging is, is, is their careers. Yeah, and I admire so. that, um, <laughs> that ability to do that. Unfortunately, um, I, I think that it's better for me to supplement um, sure. my career uh, as a blogger. Uh, so um, the way that I, I do, I take a couple of different approaches. So we know each other from PHL bloggers. That is and, correct. And that's a great way to network because um, while traditional networking is more face-to-face, as we are today, but um, you can also network through social media. And I think that's a really important um, way to find business, create business, um, help others in the blogging world, and so I think that's a, a valuable way to um, produce and uh, assist others. Um, the other thing that I like to do is I like to get out and do work with libraries. Uh, so, for example, I've done workshops at libraries where yeah. I discuss how you can use your library as a travel planning tool, not just for guidebooks, but for things like if you're interested in finding out what kinds of foods you'll like, um, 
get a recipe book from, uh, from the destination that you'll be traveling to, or um, even music. Frequently, libraries have CDs or records. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are those? Yeah, so you can find out what kind of music you'll be hearing, or even kind of different movies um, or books. Do, do you find that when you host these seminars that people are then staying at the library looking up different types of food you know for, for regions yeah um, it's it's interesting because people traditionally think of libraries as going to get a book to read or they think <laughs> of going to the library to get a travel guide to read so they can plan their trip but they they don't frequently expand their universe to think of things that are more outside the box for traveling, like um, just even finding a book that was written by an author from the country that sure. you'll be traveling to. So it's a way for people to think a little bit differently about the way they utilize the library for travel purposes. I, I have a friend who uh, yesterday told me she and her husband are planning a trip to New Orleans, and she goes, I don't like Cajun food, though. And I'm like, you... you. <laughs> You might be in trouble in New Orleans over over not liking Cajun food. Um, I think it's obligatory that you have to like Cajun food in New Orleans. I, I mean, I was like, well, the, the, they've got raw bars. <laughs> and I have a friend right now in, in New Orleans, and she took her daughter to a sushi restaurant. And I'm like, well, wait, wait, wait. You could do that anywhere. <laughs> Maybe it's a Cajun world, sushi bar. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> what, what are... Um, so... Right now, with travel, um, I, and, and right now we've got coronavirus spreading, um, it feels as if travel is down. A lot of European airlines are, um, are, are traveling uh, empty uh, airlines, just uh, empty airplanes just to keep their time slots. What, uh, what are some of the important topics that travelers should remember right now? Right. Well, of course, the coronavirus is the hot topic. And so I, I think you have to do a risk assessment if you are trying to decide whether or not you should travel somewhere. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're a healthy, if you're a healthy individual, that may be a different calculation than if you've got health related issues. Um, but in the end, I, I think it's a personal decision that no one can really um, tell you what is the best, what's the best decision for you. Uh, also, if you're concerned about whether your travel insurance will cover any uh, cancellation, I think it's best to check, check your policy. But also, sometimes policies don't cover uh, epidemics or pandemics. Um, there are... Um, provisions for known risks and what that is what what is covered but um, also uh, sometimes you it's also just best to reach out to your accommodations because sometimes they're a little bit more flexible particularly in this uh, in our in the current um, situation that we're in the the situation is evolving we have very little data uh, particularly in the United States so um, it's we're really at the front front end of the coronavirus in the U.S. Are, you, you mentioned travel insurance. Um, I will fully admit that I don't always buy travel insurance. So why should I change my habit? Well, 
You know, I think it's always a good idea to have travel insurance, but I have to say I'm sometimes guilty of that. <laughs> if you have a credit card that has travel insurance, that may be that may be helpful. You can also buy a uh, per trip insurance, which is something that you frequently see when you purchase an airline ticket. Yes. Or there is even something that's called annual travel insurance, which I have carried um, for quite some time. Uh, of course, this year, I chose not to renew my policy. <laughs> um, and those uh, are, uh, depending on what your um, what your policy is, it can be about 200 to $300 a person per year. And that's generally a very... I mean, that's not, that's not bad at all. Right. In fact, if you... Uh, if you purchase poli- um, insurance, an insurance policy per trip, you'll find that if you travel enough, the cost of annual travel insurance is lower than the cost of a per policy purchase. So, but again, that's a, a personal calculation that you have to, to make. But why should you buy travel insurance? Uh, I, I think four reasons like, uh, like the coronavirus. However, let me be clear that it's not uh, coronaviruses and pandemics and epidemics and uh, things of this nature are not always covered. So it's important to check what policy you have. You can frequently have policies like um, cancel for any reason, but those are costlier. So I think that you, you really have to look at your policy. You can also reach out to your accommodations. You can also reach out to the airlines. Mm-hmm. And this particular time, they're um, a little bit more flexible right now, um, given the circumstances. Um, are you find Are you finding that um, that people uh, besides besides just like not going to public events, but they're truly changing their travel plans right now? Yeah, I I, I hear that conversation every day, uh, just in my my normal life, not in the blogging world, but um, you even see those um, questions on social media. Should I consider my trip to dot, dot, dot? And it doesn't even have to be outside of the United States. It can be within the U.S., and people are, are concerned about that. Rightly so. I mean, it's, um, it's uncertain times, as I mentioned, where there's not a lot of data uh, on coronavirus or any other illness for that matter so I, I mean my parents were planning on traveling to Italy and so so since Italy is just closed at this point obviously they've canceled that trip and they've rescheduled it I think for November were they able to um, to rearrange their um, their itinerary I don't know if they were going on a tour or um, I be- it's it's kind of a weird trip I believe my mom is doing like a tour with uh, with her, her cousins and then my dad is going to go visit the rest of the family and kind oh. of <laughs> hang out <laughs> um, so so I think they they haven't had uh, much of an issue because basically it was just changing the the flights and then changing the hotels and then changing the uh, vehicle Right. That was go- the vehicles that were going to be rented. Yeah, so that's a really good example of when changing wasn't very inconvenient for um, for someone. So either your parents, but uh, I think um, 
that if you're with a tour, the tours are certainly well aware of that. And uh, I know of someone who had a trip to China planned and the tour company canceled the trip. Sure. Yeah, so they were able to reschedule for a later time or get a refund. So, uh, you know, certainly companies are um, sensitive to the fact that um, this is that this coronavirus is um, changing not just the complexion of travel, but the way we think about travel. Sure. Um, so... When you are, are, are thinking about a blog post, what, what are some of the topics that, that, that you, or some of the, the, the key thoughts that you want to put in a post so that people are going to read it and, and, and they're actually going to sit down, click on it, and, and read it? Because let's admit it, a lot of our blogs have a high bounce rate. So. <laughs> that is true. Um, well, you always have to have um, an, a catchy title, right? Something that's going to... Um, attract people's attention to want to read the the post to begin mm-hmm. with. Second of all, you have to be informative. I do a tremendous amount of research so that the information that I'm providing is as accurate as it can be. If I have, um, during the course of my research, if I found conflicting information, I'll um, indicate that uh, I've heard this, I've read this, um, it can be somewhere in between. I'm going to allow you mm-hmm. to decide that. Um, I also make sure that if I mention um, somewhere I've been or somewhere I've stayed or somewhere that I've eaten, that I try and provide the link to that. And from a business standpoint, the higher, uh, the earlier in the post you mention those uh, links, those okay. backlinks, it's it, it is more beneficial to your blog. But um, but. From a standpoint of readership, I like to be able to provide information that people need. So I look at it from, um, if I was searching for information, what information would I need? What information would mm-hmm. I rely on? And that's a lot of um, times how I determine the information that I put in the blog post, but uh, the actual um, topic will vary. Um, sometimes I get um, uh, suggestions from readers, Sometimes I think about, hmm, I've never thought about that. Maybe that would be a good way thing to put in a blog post. For example, daylight saving time. I just did a blog post on daylight savings time and why we have it. And is it actually daylight saving time? Daylight savings time. So I, it's, uh, I like to be able to distill that information into about a three-minute read because we're all really busy. So sure. why would you want to? You have someone read a dissertation about daylight saving time when it's well, pretty I mean, easily I mean, distillable. I, I, I mean, I'm a lawyer. Half of my blog posts are dissertations to be. <laughs> I, I understand that. <laughs> um, but but also usually that with daylight savings times the what's the, the the keyword is always when does daylight time daving, when does daylight savings time start that, yeah. that's like the keyword everybody wants yeah and it really depends on <laughs> where you are in the world well sure it, exactly I know that um, in the U S we just changed onto uh, daylight saving time so we jumped ahead an hour. But when I uh, was traveling back and forth to France, daylight saving time was a different time. Yes. So that's because that's because we decided to be weird here here in the U.S. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so it really depends. And uh, in that particular post that I mentioned, uh, I also found um, a website that tells you what countries go on to daylight saving time oh, and when. Really? So so I provided that link. So. 
In case you're wondering. <laughs> I, um, I went to, um, my wife and I went to Sydney in one October. So we, um, we changed times uh, several times because that was the, that was the time that Sydney uh, <laughs> decided to uh, go into what they call summertime, so daylight saving, in October. So I went from um, fall to spring, but then also I had a second time change while staying in Sydney. And you crossed the international dateline too. Uh, so. My body was all, <laughs> my body was yelling and screaming at me. It just I'm sure you had to apologize like to your me. body oh, for quite did, some it, time after that. Oh, it did not like me at all. No. <laughs> so I noticed that, that, that on your blog, you've got lots of logos here. Uh, so is that a part of your business model partnerships and, and, the, those, those similar kinds of agreements. Yes. So um, as far as my actual logo for my blog, um, I partnered with, um, with Matt Reno um, Arts to create the blog. Uh, but, and I love it. And he's used it um, as an example, which I really appreciate. I think that's a, a I, I really enjoy that blog. It makes me, or the, the logo, it makes me happy. Um, but also, um, I'm a member of the North American Travel Journalists Association. And so it's, a, it's a, an association, obviously, of travel writers. And, and I think that it's helpful to, to, in some ways, legitimize your product. Okay. And so from a business standpoint, there is a, a level of quality that I associate with belonging to certain um, organizations, that which is helpful. And uh, again, that's part of your business model. You want sure. to provide quality information. You want to provide a quality service. So anything that you can do in furtherance of that is always helpful. Um, in addition, I also um, look for sponsorships because m since my primary goal is to supplement my um, my um, real life, <laughs> um, uh, I, I made a decision to, um, instead of um, actually trying to earn a, a real living, which I think is incredibly difficult to do. Um, I, well, I think that's something a lot of people don't realize, is yeah. that to, to earn a full-time employment uh, income from blogging, from selling ads, from affiliate marketing, trying to do all of that is is, is actually really difficult. I agree. And it, you're a small business owner. And so... As a small business owner, you have to work constantly. It's a full-time job. Mm -hmm. It's not something that is a casual venture. Sure. So, at least for me, the right decision was to seek out sponsorships. And right. what I mean by that is becoming a brand ambassador. So, instead of being paid, you would have, um, they would provide their product to you and you would either write a post about it or do some social media um, marketing for them in the way of Instagram posts, etc. I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that because one of the things that's, I think, strange that a lot of people still don't have their head wrapped around are federal regulations about that. Mm -hmm. um, if you are a movie reviewer for you know, the newspaper, you get to go to the movie for free. Now, I'm, now that's something that we all know and we all understand. It's a press screening. It's their job. But you still get this 
benefit for free that other people have to pay for. So, but you don't have to disclose that. Everybody knows you're going to the movie. If you are doing that and the only place that you're posting that is on a website and not in a newspaper, that falls under the, the FTC's new media guidelines and therefore the free movie has to be disclosed. So therefore all of this quote unquote free stuff, you know, and obviously a lot of reviewers are, are getting it when you see unboxing videos, all of that's being done, you know, at, at generally on a sample basis or free basis or something like that. But all of that has to be disclosed under federal regulations. Yeah, that's true. And um, to, just to mention social media, Instagram requires that you disclose that. Um, and also, oh, so it's not good enough that the federal government requires that you disclose it. Instagram says so. Too. Yeah, but in their, in, of course, because we all live by Instagram. Don't we? No, but uh, uh, but they have their own policies and guidelines too. So it is it, you're required to disclose it under their policies and guidelines. Um, but I also think that it's just good business practice to to disclose that. It's not that you're getting it for free. You do actually, you are actually working for, in, in exchange for receiving that product. It's a contract. I wholeheartedly agree with your yes. philosophy, yeah. but I have to, I have to state how it is, not how I, how I think it should be. <laughs> so you, you, you are performing work in exchange for that product. So it's, it's effectively a contract. Yes. But I always think that it's, um, it's transparent to, it's. It's better. It's a better business pro, um, model to be transparent about what you're being compensated for, whether it's just in terms of uh, a free product or whether you're actually being compensated by um, a, a, an hourly rate or whatever the whatever the the transaction is. Sure. So um, since we are running short on time, let's um, talk about some of your. Uh, favorite trips. <laughs> what, 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 give me a couple trips that have turned into great posts for you. So, so that, let, let's make that combination. Great trip, great post. So, uh, sometimes they're mutually exclusive. Yes, I know. <laughs> so, one of, one of my favorite trips was um, a dive trip to Palau, uh, which, uh, if you are a scuba diver, it's sort of on your bucket list. Of course. And, um, and it is really uh, scuba diving nirvana. Um, but it's far, it's difficult to get to, and most people have never heard of it, unless sure. you're a, a scuba diver. So while it was a great trip, it wasn't necessarily um, a great post, because in reality, most people, will it will be unlikely for them to travel there. Right. One of my most popular posts was actually right here in Philadelphia, uh, Frankfurt Hall, and stateside uh, vodka. It was a very <laughs> yes. I did. Uh, I did um, a tour of stateside vodka, and I did a tasting, which was great. So they're a local craft vodka yeah. company, mm -hmm. though, right? And it's really. Uh, I would advise um, taking a little <laughs> tasting tour, um, and also Frankfurt Hall, which um, uh, I went there for brunch, and most people were not aware that they even had brunch available. So it wound up being a very popular post. Wow, I mean that's barely barely travel for you. Yes, exactly. Out, out your front door. Well, travel doesn't have to be around the world; it can be around the block. <laughs> well, and again, going back to the fact that right now we're under a lot of um, uh, we're, we're under a lot of health advisories. I think mm -hmm. a lot of people 
probably need some advice as to what's around the block. Yeah, and and I think that it's really important for people to remember that traveling doesn't have to be about going to far-flung places. While that's great, it's not always um, feasible from a time standpoint, nor is it always feasible from a money standpoint. So I think you have to seek out adventures in your own backyard, which can be just as rewarding as going to some of your bucket list destinations. <laughs> I, I, I hear you well on that, but there are some times when... Um... I'm just like, well, if if it if it's only a ten minute drive away, it doesn't feel like I'm doing all that much, even if it is something new. Yeah, but you have to you have to um, rethink how you view the staycation, right? <laughs> I don't know that word. <laughs> I know, but you really have to you really have to think about the staycation as a vacation as a standalone vacation. Okay, it's a mini vacation sure. because sometimes what you what you need is just to get away from it all for uh, an hour or a day. You don't need to get away from everything for a week because sometimes planning for that week vacation is a job. That is right? true as well. That is very true. Although sometimes I like to wing it. but That's true. <laughs> and those are often the best experiences. One of my favorite, um, uh, my wife and I went to, went to Paris and I mean, of course, you do Paris, you do the Louvre, you do the Eiffel Tower. But then, like, we did jazz clubs. Yeah. And my favorite was this place called Le Caveau des Oubliettes, which means the Cave of the Forgotten. And it really is a jazz club in a cave. Yeah. Like, the top is is this this beat-up beat bar. It doesn't feel like anything special. And then you walk downstairs and it's like, whoa, you're actually in a cave. Uh, the year, I think it's like 1455 you know, or something, is carved in one of the, one of the uh, archways. And it's, um, yeah, it's a jazz club in a cave. And those are, that was probably an unexpected experience, but a great experience. Of course. Yeah. yeah. And those are frequently the best travel memories are the things that are unexpected. I'm with you on that. Tina, thank you so much. It's Travelitoscope. Travelitoscope, yep. All right. Thank you so much for coming, and thanks, everyone, for listening to the Lawn Business Podcast. Don't forget to rate us if you're listening to us on your iOS device.